0: All right, who says you can't have fun in church? Was that fun? Thanks, guys. And did you know Chris could hit high notes like that, or what? Uh, that was so much fun. I think that Pastor Jared, Jared, you want to come up and we'll do an acapella battle. What do you think? Some people are getting up to leave right now. No, we're not going to do that. We want you to stay. Good morning again, everyone. It is so good to be with you. Uh, My name is Ryan Alexander, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Hosanna. And I'm greeting those of you who are joining us on site and those of you who are joining us online. And I also want to say welcome back from from Easter. It is the weekend after Easter. You know what they call the weekend after Easter in the traditional church calendar? Any guesses? It's really profound. The weekend after Easter. All right, or the second week of Easter, uh, or in some traditions, it's known as low Sunday, low Sunday, not because of attendance, right, but because you have this big celebration, this mountaintop experience on Easter, and then the week after, maybe isn't quite as much of a high note, but at Hosanna, we know this to be true, that Easter's not one day, it is every day, that every day, as followers of Jesus Christ, those who believe in the resurrection in Jesus, that we can live in the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single day. Amen? Amen. So there's hope today, and uh, it is good to be with you. Plus, uh, it's, it's not a low Sunday because we're starting this series called In the Ring. Everyone say, In the Ring. In the ring, and that's where I am right now, and that's why I'm putting on some boxing gloves. This may surprise you, but I haven't put on boxing gloves too much in my life, uh, but, but here they are, in the ring. In this series, okay, we are, by the way, these aren't just any gloves, there's a special story behind these gloves, but you'll have to come back uh, because I'm going to be sharing it later in the series, uh, but, but in this series, we're going to be talking about conflict resolution, Conflict resolution, how to fight fair, how to, how to resolve conflict God's way, in godly ways, according to God's word. And I think it is true that we all probably need a little assistance with conflict, right, and conflict resolution in our lives. But what I don't want you to conclude, hear this, I don't want you to conclude now or throughout this series or at the end of this series that all conflict is bad, all right? The goal is not to eliminate all conflict from our lives, In fact, that's not healthy either. That's avoidance or passive-aggressive behavior, (laughs) right? And that's not what we're aiming for here. There is some conflict that is constructive, that is healthy, that is good, that helps us grow, that helps our relationships grow. In fact, I love this quote from Max Lucado. Some of you have heard of him. He's a Christian author. He says this, conflict is inevitable, but combat is optional, (laughs) See the difference? Conflict is inevitable in our lives. We have to, at some point, if we're going to grow and our relationships are going to grow, conflict, healthy conflict is something that we have to experience. But combat, that combative conflict, the destructive conflict, the conflict that that beats each other up, that tears each other down, that's what we can have less of in our lives. So so next week, we're going to talk more about how how to deal with conflict constructively, how to go through conflict constructively. This week, we're going to talk about that other kind of conflict, the conflict that is not constructive, that is destructive, that, that is combative, that tears us down in our lives. And specifically, we're going to talk about the origins or the source of that conflict. And, and even more specifically, we're going to talk about that moment. You know this moment. The moment where that conflict starts to happen, that destructive conflict, that moment where the gloves go up, right? Right? You know this moment. And in that moment, there are really two directions we can go. We can go in the direction where, where we often go, but that next impulse is to, I call them the ABCDs of conflict, where we start to attack and, and blame and, and criticize and defend. Right? That, that, those are all forms of destructive or combative conflict. And in the moment where the gloves go, go up, it can go that direction or it can go in another direction, It can go in a healthier direction it can go in a direction of more constructive conflict maybe even less conflict in our lives and it can go in a different direction but in order for that to happen uh, it takes wisdom it takes humility and it takes courage for those gloves to go down and I don't know about you but I don't always come by those things naturally wisdom humility and courage so we're going to pray right now that God would give us what we need for this message you all right with that All right, let's pray. Lord, we just uh, come before you humbly. If we need to be humbled right now, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, humble our hearts. Lord, open us up to what you want us to hear, what you want us to experience. Lord, pour out your wisdom from your word and, and give us the courage to get in the ring. Holy Spirit, give us your boldness and courage to get in the ring and deal with whatever we need to so that in those moments where the gloves go up, we can go in a different direction. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Here's where we're gonna go from here, all right? Just those, some of you like a roadmap, uh, so I'm gonna give it to you. We're gonna talk about where this conflict comes from, this destructive conflict that rises up within us. Then we're gonna talk about why, why it happens. We're going to, then we're gonna talk about, about what it means for our lives. And then we're gonna talk about how we can apply it to our lives and grow in this area, all right? So if you're, if you're keeping track and you need a roadmap, it is where, where does it come from, why, what does it mean and how do we deal with it? And all of this comes from a passage in the book of James. So if you have a Bible, grab one. If you have one on your phones, that's fine too. Although I'm, I'm thinking more and more, it's nice to have that physical Bible in front of you where you can interact with it and underline it. And, and we at Hosanna, we want to be people of the word. Amen? And so that means we need to get into our word, we, uh, we, into the word, we need to live out the word. And so part of that is just getting the practice, if you're coming to Hosanna on a regular basis, of bringing bringing your Bibles. Now, if you don't have a Bible, good news, there is a Bible for you. You can grab one on the way out, one of our worship center Bibles, it's yours to keep. Uh, Or if you're not in the practice of bringing your Bible yet, there'll be words on the screen, they're also in your program. We're gonna look at two verses. There is so much truth packed into every verse, every word of scripture, but we're gonna look at two verses and and talk about how, how to... Handle conflict more constructively, and the, the verses come from James chapter four verses one and two. And I want to talk just a little bit about James, all right, to get us all on the same page. You know, James was Jesus' brother. You know that? You know that? Uh, James, the apostle, was Jesus' brother, and uh, he was Jesus' brother who came to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I, I love this thought. I heard a pastor say it once. First of all, how many of you have a brother? How many of you raise your hand? All right, it's all right. You can claim him. Uh, <laughs> But this thought, it's this. What would it take for you to believe, come to believe that your brother was the son of God? Let me just think about that for a minute. What would it take? Now, I have a brother, right? His name is John. He's, he's good looking. He's, he's gifted. It's in the genes. I don't know. He's uh, he, he's smart, he's, he's a pastor, he, he's, he's a hot shot, rising up at a big church in the Twin Cities called Eagle Brook. He's a great guy, but I can tell you he is not the son of God, all right? Sorry, John, right? Because I know, Right, I know the good, the bad, and the ugly. We know this about our brothers. But what would it take for James to come and to believe that Jesus was the son of God? It would take him actually being the son of God, right? Don't you think? But it wasn't always this way. In fact, we read in the Gospels that, that at one point, Jesus' brothers were, were saying, Jesus, you're crazy for saying the things that you're saying and doing the things that you're doing. Uh, so if you ever find yourself thinking, is my family the only one that has dysfunction? Did my family put the fun in dysfunction? <laughs> you're not the only one, all right? Jesus' family had some of that conflict going on. One time, Jesus' disciples come. They say, hey, Jesus, your, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus says, who are my mother and brothers, all right? Th- Those who are around me, those who are believing in, in what I'm saying So there was some conflict there. But eventually James comes to believe in Jesus as the son of God And not only that He, he becomes a follower He becomes a leader in the early church James is, is a leader of the church in Jerusalem The Christian church in Jerusalem Which guess what After just a few short decades Of Jesus dying and being resurrected And ascending to heaven There's conflict in the church It's as old as time It's as old as the church This conflict and they're arguing about who's right and who's wrong and who's in and who's out. And actually in May, we're going to do a series out of the book of Galatians. And we're going to be talking about those very issues. Who's in, who's out. But there's conflict. And so James is facilitating this conflict. And that's part of why he's writing this book. Okay, that's all background now for these verses that we're looking at. Starting at verse 1. James 4 verse 1 says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Just stop there for a second. I'm just going to warn you, we're going to be stopping periodically because there's so much here. Right. What is causing the, the fights and the quarrels among you? This is a, this is a great question. This is the right question to be asking about conflict. What is causing? What is the source? In fact, that, that Greek word that's translated, what is causing, it means source. It can even refer to headwaters, where, where, where water comes from, the source of, uh, of a body of water. Where does it all come from? Uh, uh, the King James Version says, from whence does it come <laughs> From whence? Everyone say from whence? From whence? Just fun to say. Where does it come from? This is the right question because I think with conflict, I know with conflict, and I know with a lot of things in life, we're often dealing with what's on the surface instead of getting at the source. What's what's really underneath the surface? What where's it coming from? James is asking the right question here. You know, we're, we're we're happy, and some of you are smiling because it is spring in Minnesota. Come on, all right. We're happy about that and things are starting to grow, right? And and we love most things that are growing outside except for these things uh, that I'm going to put on the screen right now, these dandelions, right? We are not happy about those, right? Sorry to bring that into the room. But what happens when you try to get dandelions out of your lawn by just picking the stem or picking the flower? What happens? It comes right back. Yeah, it comes back the next day (laughs) even, so in order to deal with a dandelion, you've got to go to the root. You've got to go to the source. So we're organizing our, our garage right now, and I, found, I came across this tool right here. I took a picture of it. You know what that is? That is the tool that will take care of dandelions once and for all right there, right? Because it gets down into the roots, and you tear it out, and you get it out. In fact, I was thinking about it this way. If, if we needed a picture to sum up the, the main point of this message, it would be that, <laughs> Because we're going after the core, the root, the source of conflict here. You with me? Okay. So James is asking this question. Where does it come from? What's the source? Now, 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 before I read the next one, just hold on for a second. You you can just imagine those early Christians going, yeah! Show us the source. Point me to the source. Point to the person out there that's causing all this conflict. Point him to me or her. James does. The rest of verse 1. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within, within you? See them? Right? Show me. And James just goes, I'll show you. It's right here. It's that war that's going on inside you. It's something within you. It's not first and foremost about something that's outside of you. It's about what's inside of you. I told you this would take some humility and courage, didn't I? It will. It's what's going on inside of you. That's where it starts. And, and first and foremost, we have to think about this word sin. You know, we, we know that, that because of the very few first human beings, Adam and Eve, who disobeyed God, who fell, you know, so we have them to thank for this sinful nature that we've inherited. There is something inside of us that, that, that is like a war waging within us. You know, we don't use the word sin a lot, but we should. We should. But other words to, that we could use that are very similar are words like selfish or self-centered or you know, self-consumed. Uh, throughout the centuries, theologians had defined sin as being turned in on yourself to be so consumed with self. Sin also comes in the form of pride or arrogance, right? And I'm, I, I, I've said this before, but I believe it with all my heart, pride is, is just a cover up for insecurity. The most humble people I know, the, the people I wanna be like when I grow up are the most secure people that I know. <laughs> they don't have anything to prove, they're not having to puff themselves up or put other, other people down, it's like, they're secure. So there's this war being waged within us, each one of us, if you're human. Are you human? <laughs> most, I think, I'm checking, all of you are, maybe someone's listening from outer space online, maybe. <laughs> but we're all human and so we wrestle with this. And it plays out in a specific way that James is going to tell us about here in verse 2. He says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. James say, here's how that war plays out. You see what other people have, and you want it. You want it for yourself. And you are willing to go to great lengths to get it. Even here, James says, you're willing to, to kill and murder. Now, most of us probably won't come to that extreme, right? Hopefully. And maybe James, as Jesus' brother, was referring to the teaching that Jesus had done in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you say you shouldn't murder someone, but Jesus says, time you are angry with someone, it's like you've murdered them. So maybe James is thinking that way. Uh, but, but he's also thinking, hey, it happened in the Bible all the way back, Genesis chapter 4. Two brothers again. I don't know what it is about brothers. Cain and Abel, the first two children of Adam and Eve. Cain gets jealous of Abel and and wants to take something from him. In fact, he takes his life. It happens in the Bible. It's as old as time, this conflict. And James is saying you want something other people have and you're willing to go to great lengths to get it, to take it from them. Now, it's certainly true of material things. right? Material things, we look at what other people have and we say, oh, I'd want that. And if you need any proof, just go shopping on Black Friday, right? Some of you do. And that's why I don't go shopping on Black Friday, because I want to live. Right? People are stepping on each other to get stuff. But, but I really think this applies to immaterial things as well. Not just material things, but immaterial things. I mean, what's behind that, that drive to get stuff from other people? It's an immaterial thing, like significance or security. Right? We want that from people. We want people to give us significance or give us security or to give us acceptance. Another immaterial thing. Or or to give us affirmation. In fact, I think this is a good list of, of things that we are trying to get from other people when conflict arises. If you want to write these words down. What we're getting from people. Stuff, yes, but significance and security and acceptance and affirmation. When the gloves go up, what, what's, what's happening inside of us is this war is waging and we are trying to get something from people. Significance or security. And when we feel rejected, like, ah, we want acceptance from them or we feel insecure about something. I want, I want them, that person to make me feel secure. But here's, here's the real kicker right here. This is worth the price of admission right here. As James tells us the truth. He says in verse two, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't ask God for it. See, you're, 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 your fists, your, your gloves are going up. There's something rising up inside of you. you. You want something from somebody, but guess what? They can't give it to you. They can't ultimately give it to you. They, they, they can't give you that significance that you're fighting for. They can't give you that acceptance that you're fighting for. Only God can give it to you. Only God. And some people can give us a taste of it. You know, a taste of that acceptance or that unconditional love. And In fact, a couple meetings I had with people this week, I, I tasted it from them, that unconditional love and acceptance. And But ultimately, only God can give it to us. Only God. We can keep looking and grasping and trying, but, but people are always at the end of the day going to be people. And only God is perfect and, and of the time able to give it to us. See this? So what what does this mean? I I summed it up in this statement, and I I think at least this helped me. When the gloves go up, something inside of you is trying to get something from someone that they can't ultimately give you. When the gloves go up, here's what's happening. If you want to know what's really happening when the gloves go up, something inside of you is trying to get something from someone that they can't ultimately give you. I talked about where, where this comes from, why it happens. Now, what, what does it mean for our lives? It means we're needy. Yeah, humility, courage. When the gloves go up, it is telling us there is a need inside of us. Let's just get personal here. Some of you, are you critical all the time? It's because there's a need inside of you, where you're, you know, criticizing and blaming. There's a need inside of you. And just pastorally, I want to say, I know no one at this service needs to hear this, but if you have a critical spirit about you, stop it. Catch yourself. Gloves are going up. There's a need inside of you. Maybe you get defensive. This is me. I know sometimes my gloves are going up because I'm getting defensive. There's a need inside me, and I'm trying to get acceptance. I'm trying to get significance from other people. They can't give it to me. Only God can. Or maybe, are you one of those people who gets offended easily? It's this spirit of offense about you and every little thing can offend you. <laughs> People walk the wrong way or see, it's like, I'm offended. There's a need inside of you. I just love you enough to tell you that. I, I, there's a need inside of you. I mean, let me tell you just my own life, how this has played out, at least uh, one way it's played out. And that is occasionally, occasionally I get one of those emails, all right? Again, not from anyone at this service. But it's one of those emails that, uh, you know, just isn't all that kind, right? In fact, it would be downright cutting. And I'm not talking about the kind of emails that people send in love and, and in humility and that are helpful, helpful feedback, loving feedback. Uh, I, I want that. I need that. I received one of those emails this past week. And if you ever want a textbook example of how to give feedback, I'll forward you this email, okay? Is that good? So I want that. But every once in a while, there is one of those emails that comes, and and it's not out of a heart of love or edification or encouragement. It is just downright, you know, mean. And uh, it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen all the time. But it but it sometimes can cut at uh, character, or or at the church in some way, and and uh, and I know as a pastor, I should be quick to rise above all of that, right? And I should remind myself of things like people who criticize and complain are hurting and in pain, right? Or, or hurt people, hurt people. I, I should be just quick to pray for them, but sometimes it just gets me. That makes me mad or it, or it hurts, honestly. And so my gloves go up, and my gloves go up and I'm ready. And it's in that moment, it's in that moment that I, that I can go one of two directions. I can start with that next impulse, you know, attacking and blaming and criticizing and defending. And trust me, I write those emails in my head all the time. <laughs> speaking, and speaking of email, can I just say that email is not the best place to work out conflict? Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. It's just not. It, 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 there was a day when you had to look people in the eye and say the things that you want to say. And now it is far too easy to just send that's that's not that's not courageous. That is cowardly, and I'm telling you, I've done it too. So I'm not pointing the finger. I've done it too, but let's be courageous, all right? And uh, and, and and I've done the other way, and I can tell you, every single time I've attacked uh, back or bland, you know given some theological explanation that puts them in their place or whatever, it never goes better. It never gets better. But, but when I'm able to catch myself in that moment when the gloves are going up, see that as a gift, see that as an, a warning sign, see that as an opportunity to go, okay, my gloves are going up. What's the need inside of me? How am I trying to get significance from this person? How am I trying to get affirmation from this person? What's the need inside of me? And the reality is that person can never give me what I'm trying to get from them. And yet I'm fighting for it. I'm trying to go into great lengths to try to get it. That person can't give it to me. Only God can. And it's in that moment that I, and I did this even recently where I stop and go, okay, God, that's the need inside of me. And now, ask, ask God for it. God you give me the affirmation you give me the significance and if you want to know real affirmation and real significance and real acceptance and real security there's only one place you can find it it's in Jesus Christ and you go there and you can have it and when that happens the the dynamics of that exchange the dynamics of your heart totally change totally change and conflict starts to change and the gloves can go down see God's word works it works. Do you believe that? It works. Uh, here, here's a related thought, okay? Because I, I, as a pastor, I, I end up in a lot of conversation. It's a real privilege, but I get to see into people's lives at a deep level sometimes. And what I find is that a lot of people are blaming each other, blaming somebody else. They're going, yeah, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for this. And what I find myself saying lovingly after listening for a while is, you know what? If there's a problem, you're probably part of it. You're probably part of it. I mean, the majority of the time, if there's a problem that you're blaming somebody else for, you are part of it. There are exceptions to that. Well, then people want to know, well, what percentage? <laughs> and then what I, t- I tell people is, you know what? Here's, here's what you need to do. This is the only way the thing is going to work. Focus on 100 percent of your part of the problem. Even if mine's five percent. Yes. In fact, we have a pie graph up here. Okay, this is an example of Jen and I in conflict. She is the gray and I'm the red, usually, in terms of who's responsible. <laughs> it's actually the opposite. She's here right now and she's smiling, I think, at me. It, it, it doesn't matter. Focus on 100% of your part. Why? Because that... Oh, I, wait, I told you that I would... I would uh, there are exceptions, Right? There are exceptions. There are exceptions. When are you not part of the problem? If you have been a victim or you've been abused, like truly. Not that you have a victim mentality and you always think you're the victim, but if you truly have been a victim. The other time it doesn't apply is with Jesus. Think about it. He was, he was 0% responsible for the sin in, in your life, but he took 100% responsibility for it. Do you know that? That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is 0% responsible. Zero percent responsible for the sin, but he takes 100%. Does that humble you? It humbles me. But when it comes to other people, focus on your part. Here's why it's what Jesus said to do. You know, this teaching of Jesus, he said, Look at the plank in your own eye before the speck in someone else's eye. Look at the plank in your own eye before the speck. I heard a pastor say once, If you were to do that literally, like focus on the plank in your own eye before you looked at the speck in someone else's eye, you would never get to the speck in someone else's eye because there's always a plank in your eye. There'd be no time to look at the speck in other people's eyes, the plank. Here's the other reason why you should do it. It works. It just works. It's the only way in my life I've, I've figured out a way for it to work in conflict because so many people are playing, they're playing the blame game. I'm gonna show you my art here. There you go. I'm an artist. So many people are playing the blame game, blaming each other, blaming each other. You know what that does? It drives people apart, and it builds walls and barriers between people. The only way that it can shift is when both people start to own their part, own their part. Take responsibility for their part. Take responsibility for the war that's, that's rising up in them, the need that they have, the part that they have, whether it's 2% or 92%. And what happens then is that people start coming closer together. And a bridge is built instead of a wall. How's that for a bridge? There you go. People start coming together. And I want to I challenge the men for a minute. Why? Because I'm a man, all right? And what I want to say to you men is lead the way in this. Lead the way in this. Be the first ones to to own your part, to to stop pointing the finger and point the finger back to you and say, yeah, yeah, okay, I need to focus on my stuff. Lead the way. And, And not just in marriages, but in your workplaces. If you are a man of God, someone who's saying, I'm following Jesus Christ, you lead the way with your coworkers or whoever. Jen and I were talking about this recently. She said, you know, you weren't always so good at this, Right? But she said, "The last couple of years, you, you've stopped pointing the finger and blaming, and you've pointed back at yourself." And she said, "I'm so thankful for that. It has changed our marriage, and, and it has changed our, our lives." Men lead the way. Women, you can do this too. But again, I'm just a man, and I'm saying, "Lead the way. Man up, and do this." So, what is this? mean for our lives, and then how do we apply it to our lives? Just want to give you three thoughts here to close, all right? And it's really just a recap of what we've been talking about. You should write them down. When the gloves go up, right? right, first thing you should do is check your impulse. Or as one rapper from the 80s said, checkity check yourself before you wreckity wreck yourself, all right? <laughs> and if you, I mean, and check your pulse literally, Okay, because when, when, when conflict starts to rise, your adrenaline physiologically is, ra- is, is raised. And so you're going, you're going into that fight or flight mode, and when you go into fight or flight mode, God created us this way, your brain shuts down. So if you ever feel like you've had a suddenly stupid moment, like, oh, I can't think anymore, it's because you are going into fight or flight mode. <laughs> and, and see it as a, a warning sign, an indicator, a way to check yourself and go, ooh. This could go one way, that wouldn't be good. And I started attacking and blaming and criticizing or it could go another way. Check yourself. This takes self-control. We need it from the Holy Spirit. Proverb 25, 28 says that a person without self-control is like a city that is defenseless. We need that self-control. Check yourself. And then identify the need. Because if gloves are going up, guarantee you 100% there is a need inside of you occasionally you're just grumpy and you're having a bad day but most of the time there's a need inside of you that you're trying to have met by somebody else. Acceptance, significance. And then once you realize that need then go to God with it. Go to God first. Ask God to fill that need like only he can. Show me your acceptance God. And guess what? He accepts you 100%. Fully, completely. Significance, You have eternal significance. Affirmation, you have the affirmation of being the the beloved child of God and you can stand there and then re-engage the conflict or the conversation. You see it? Most of the time, the gloves will go down because you realize, I'm not really upset with this person. I'm just needy and I need some some God's love to fill that. And here's what it comes down to. In order for us to grow in this whole area of having less destructive conflict, it comes down to us growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That the more we know him, the more we know that affirmation and that security, that our security is anchored down deep in him, the more we can engage people in healthy and constructive and holy ways. And so in close, I would just encourage you to to grow in your relationship with him, whatever that looks like. Maybe it's that next step. You're coming back from Easter. You're coming, just keep going. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's deepening your commitment. You know, it's saying, I want to I go deeper. I don't want church to just be an optional thing where I fit into the rest of my life, but, but I, this is going to be the, the, the big rock that doesn't move and we'll fit everything in, uh, else in around that. Whatever it is, may you grow. And whatever it is, that next step is going to take wisdom and humility and courage. And I want to pray for you right now that you would have all that you need. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have modeled for us humility. You've modeled it for us radically that you you were 0% responsible for our sin, for my sin, and yet you took 100% of the responsibility for it on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that people would be inspired, humbled and inspired by that to do the same, because rarely are we 0% responsible. <laughs> For what's going on. Help us to look first at what's going on inside of us, the needs inside of us, the war that's raging inside of us, the the part that we have to, to take responsibility for. Give us wisdom, Lord. Thank you for the wisdom of your word today. Just a couple of verses, and it's like, whoa, God, thank you. And give us courage. Give us courage to get in the ring to fight fair, to resolve conflict in healthy and holy ways and, and to do so less and less, at least the des- destructive conflict in our lives. And I pray that no one would feel guilty or shame, but I pray that there would be conviction and inspiration and motivation through your Holy Spirit to, to keep walking forward and to grow in this area, Lord. That people would be freed up, greater freedom <laughs> for folks in this area. And Lord, it would be uh, hypocritical of me to not um, pray beyond ourselves as we go from here. We don't want to just be turned in on ourselves, Lord. So we pray for, for people outside these walls. We pray for people in our communities who are dealing with conflict, people that we know, people that we love. God, we pray for churches in the South Metro that maybe are dealing with conflict. Bring healing and bring hope to them. Lord, we we pray for people all over the world. There is a lot of conflict in our world today, in the Middle East and in Asia and and all over, Lord. We pray that you would bring peace and help us to be agents of peace, to be peacemakers, to be people who bring hope and multiply the hope and heartbeat of Jesus everywhere that we go. Thank you, Lord, for being the great resolver of conflict. And now we, we pray the prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father. Always good to be with you on a Sunday morning. God bless you and your family. Uh, We do have prayer ministers, as always, who are ready to pray with you up front or in the prayer room. Now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you, fill you with his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.